Hello, and welcome to Pop Culture Hangfire with Christian and Gabriel. The podcast where I try to catch up my friend Gabriel on everything I think he missed while he was being homeschooled and sheltered from the outside world during his formative years by a very caring mother. The year 1999, the Geneva Convention celebrated its 50th anniversary. President Bill Clinton was acquitted of perjury and obstruction of justice. The world mourned when John F. Kennedy Jr. and his wife Carolyn Bissett Kennedy died. Helen Clark became the first elected female prime minister in New Zealand's history. And a movie ticket cost $5.06 in the United States. What do you think about that, Gabe? I think that's about a quarter of the price you pay for a ticket now. Uh, at least. I think the last time I went to a theater, it was about 18 a person. Um, so for a deal, if I get a deal, that's it's still double that. What do you mean if you get a deal? Like uh, I have one of those subscriptions Ah, okay. to a local chain where I pay $10, like $9.99 a month, and then I can go. I get passes, but... Uh, it's still twice as much. Jesus. It's ridiculous. And you know what? The uh, I guess, like, I I, I get it, you know, um, but but when you think about, say you say you do end up paying, like, 12 bucks, right? Um, and you do get the popcorn, and you do get that. You still end up paying, like, over $20 for the... Oh, yeah. If you get any kind of, like, you can't get a snack there if you're, if, if you want to maintain a budget of any kind. Yeah. And you know the the uh, the only thing I want to sneak in is like booze, uh, which some of them sell now for an exorbitant markup. Oh, I think the last time I went to a movie theater um, in the states, it was like nine dollar a beer, you know, and and not even like Alamo House where like the beer keeps coming, like you know, uh, just the one. Yeah, the one at the beginning, you know, or you can get two and take them to go, uh, but nothing during the movie itself you'd have to walk away at least alamo gives you that you know the the draft house and i think that the only other experience i've had is like the the theater dines you know where you can um you can like take a bottle of wine with you into the movie you know i've always wanted to do one of those uh i think it's that place you were talking about what did you say the alamo house yeah the draft house where they do, I think they're the place that does those like marathons where they'll do like the Lord of the Rings or something yes, and they'll yes. serve meals. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The second coolest thing to that is was in California at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery um, where, all, where a bunch of like musicians and celebrities are buried. They had a plot of, of land that had no graves in it, thankfully. Um, but they would project classic films uh, on the theater. So you're paying to get in like five, ten dollars and then you have to find your own spot. You got to bring your own chairs. You bring in whatever drinks and food you want. So you turn it into a picnic that starts at like, like 6, 7 p.m. And, you know, goes on until 11 or 12 where everybody just drinks and watches cult classic films. It's awesome. That's cool. Yeah, they still do that. They still do those screenings now. And in the summer, they'll do like three movies a month maybe 
but you can go catch the shining you know and and in the outside in a beautiful night and you know just drink your ass off watching the movies it's fantastic that is good uh, so speaking of movies um Let's talk about our first movie that came out and that I would like to talk about from 1999. Now, this one, it's a so I like this movie. I think it's one of those like 13th Warrior type of movies that I like the movie, but I don't know how well people knew it. Right. So the movie's called right. the movie's called Payback, starring um, Mel Gibson. Do you recall that movie? Have yes. you seen it? I, I have. I sure have. What do you think? I want to say that. There was a phase in probably a few years into the 2000s where my mom, I mean, she's always been a movie fan. She loves movies. One of the things we used to do as I got older is watch movies, but she she went through the, the Mel Gibson movies, mm. like Ransom, Payback. I remember those both cropped up. I remember it being entertaining. It's been how long now? Probably 20 years close maybe 18 years since i saw it okay so i i i again i remember watching it lucy lou is in it if i recall i think so and um i remember watching it i remember enjoying it and i've seen it in the last 10 years and i remember still enjoying it now it comes with it comes from from like good material it was based on a novel called the hunter which they turned into a graphic novel which is phenomenal because they like they go, they do really well, like a uh, very good ad adaptation of it. While in the movie, they kind of, you know, veer off a little bit. Right. But for those who haven't seen it, it's about a guy who gets betrayed by his partner and girlfriend for like $70,000. He recovers, does some, um, gets some money and basically tracks down his former wife and his former partner to get his $70,000 back. Not to fuck him over, not to, you know, he's like, no, you just, look, I've dealt with the fact that I was betrayed. I'm just looking for my money now. Um, and it's it's one of those things where, like, the partner has done pretty well for himself while he was away. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's got some backing. But people don't understand, like, what's up with this guy? Why does he only want 70000 you know? Like, <laughs> um, so, but no, but I remember it was, it was fun. It was lighthearted, like, uh, noir, but like new, so like neo noir action, you know. Um, yeah. Good, uh, good comedy, good action, you know. Uh, I think Mel Gibson's character is a former Marine. Like, you know, it's it's a it was a fun movie. I remember it was a fun movie, but it surprised me that the budget for that movie was ninety million dollars. That surprised me. Uh oh, that yeah. is surprising. It did not seem like a ninety million dollar movie. Did not, did not, and uh, it grossed like one hundred and sixty, which. I mean, it got its money back, but yeah, no, I just, I, I remember it came, I remember watching it, um, and liking it. And I kept going back to it a few times throughout the last, uh, since it came out. Um, but yeah, I wanted to make sure I mentioned that one. Yeah. Uh, another classic that came out in, well, not another classic, another movie that came out that is considered a classic now, Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels comes out in 1999, written and directed by Guy Ritchie. Um, this is the movie that basically brought Guy Ritchie international acclaim and introduced us to two fantastic actors that we've seen in everything since. Vinnie Jones, former international footballer, and Jason Statham, former... Um, I, what did he do before? 
Oh, I forget now. Hang on. I think he was a he did like I think he did Olympic stuff. Like he was a swimmer, I want to say. A high-level diver who competed for the British national team. There you go. Isn't that a crazy career move for him? That's why he has that aerodynamic head, or I should say hydrodynamic. <laughs> Funny. 1.3 million budget, dude. Went on to make uh, 28 million. Which, again, not a lot, but pretty decent no, for I an mean, indie successful. film. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, again, like, thanks to him, we have Guy Ritchie's career, and he's made fantastic movies since, so... Yeah, no, that's uh, I don't, I can't say for sure when I first saw that movie. Probably, probably 2000, like somewhere between 2003, 2004, and 2006. And instantly, yeah, liked it. Yeah, yeah. And, you, and then, like, uh, and then you watch Snatch and you're like, man, this yep. guy has developed his style. Like, Lock Sack and Two Smoking Barrels feels like a good movie. But when you watch Snatch, you're like, oh, wow, this is elevated, you know? Yeah. Snatch is the one I keep going back to watch. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so this came out in 99. Now, I'm not big on romantic comedies. I'm not big on like what? teen. teen. I know. I know. Look at my face. I know. I'm red all over it. Um, not big on like teen comedies either. But this movie to me, I don't know what makes it transcend that, but... 10 Things I Hate About You came out in 99. And that's a movie I thoroughly enjoy and I have seen in the last, like, five years, probably. I, I can't say that I have seen it. Ever? Mm-mm. Wow, that surprises me. But at the same time, like, it's a it's a weird genre, right, to think about. Yeah. So this movie, a romantic comedy, uh, they were high schoolers, but it's like a readaptation of Shakespeare's, like, Taming of the Shrew. Mm-hmm. But it stars um, Julia Stiles, Heath Ledger, Joseph Gordon-Lovett, um, and uh, Larissa Olenek. Yeah. Um, this is the movie that made me pay attention to Heath Ledger and to Joseph Gordon-Lovett. I think that this was their breakout roles. Fantastic uh, actors, both fan of them. Ba fantastic actors. I mean, the, the work that they go on to do after that is ridiculous. But And that's the thing, like you see that in this little teen comedy and they really, really stand out. There's so much chemistry between the cast. It is such a well done film um, that it's one of those movies where I'm like, I don't like, it's so good that I almost, I almost like want to call it a guilty pleasure, but it's not because it's just a really good film, like a really good film. Um, but yeah, again, it's a, you know, a romantic comedy. That's literally what it was, but teen romantic comedy because it takes place in high school. Right. Um, With real high schoolers, no less. Probably at the time. Uh, $30 million budget made $53 million. Not even like, you know, not, not nothing nothing to brag about. But it's always stood out to me with such a great performance from everybody. It was such a fun film to watch. I would honestly recommend that anybody should watch it, and, and, uh, to, especially to you, Gabe, since you haven't seen it. All right. Uh, the next one, speaking of teen comedies, uh, now there's a difference, right? There's the teen comedy romantic comedy where um th there's usually a story right there's jokes but but it's it, it's pushing that story along right on the opposite end of that you have like movies like van wilder where it's a it's a romantic comedy but it's it's a comedy that happens to have a love story in it um or the purpose of it is just for it to be uh comedy 
Now, the, and the reason why I bring that up is because the next film we're going to talk about is American Pie. American Pie comes out in 1999. What, coming of age comedy? Sex comedy? Yeah, yeah. Um, the first... There was, there was, there was all, all of those things that you said in the title that were in there. The, the first of, I think, three films, right? I think they, they, made, they ended up being a, a threequel. And, I think so. And it launched a bunch of direct-to-video movies, too. Um, oh. Yeah, this one ended up like Stifler's cousin or younger brother or something goes to college. Mm-hmm. It ended up being like a, a Lampoon-style um, film, but I remember that. But uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a really great cast, right? I think this is the first time everybody saw like Jason Biggs, uh, Chris Klein, right? Allison Hannigan, I think, just made her career. I think and put everybody, put her on the map for everybody. Tara Reed, Mina Suvari, um, Elizabeth, uh, what was her name? Elizabeth, um, Sean William Scott, right? Uh, launched his career. Eugene Levy was in, I mean, like a ridiculous cast. Shannon Elizabeth, is that? There you go. There you go. Shannon Elizabeth, that was her name. There we go. Um, yeah, no, like uh, I remember this movie. I, I remember like, it was a movie I wasn't gonna watch, and then it just blew up. It became like a ridiculous hit. Like, uh, and when you look at the numbers, right, eleven million dollar budget went on to make two hundred and thirty million worldwide. I mean, uh, but no, it was a really That's a return. Yeah, it was a really, really good raunchy comedy, and it reminded me of like the eighties, like Porky's, you know, like um, meatballs and stuff like that, like that type of like. You know, like, uh, uh, was it Animal House? Like, it was in that style. Right. Uh, very funny movie. Uh, I still think it's probably funny. And and again, like, it is exactly what you think it is. And, and you get exactly that. But it launched a lot of careers, though. Did you ever, uh, you ever uh, go in that, down that rabbit hole? I did see American Pie. I don't know if I saw any of the sequels. I never saw any of the spinoffs. I'm pretty sure I saw them all, to be honest with you. I don't know if I saw them in the theater, but I definitely saw them all. Right. I'm pretty sure I just saw American Pie on like television, like on whatever channel, on a Spike TV or something. Oh, then you didn't get the good stuff then, huh? Well, I don't mm, I don't know. I don't know which channel. It depends on which channel it came on. Well, I mean, if it was network television, any if it wasn't cable or DVD satellite or satellite something. Then well, you, it was on satellite something. Okay. So I just don't remember but which like, channel. But like TNTFX USA would not have given right, right. me what I'm no, talking not them. about. Like that, the good stuff. Uh, no, fantastic movie though. Like uh, if I remember it, it's funny. Exactly what you expect it to be. High school hijinks and uh, absurdness and incredibly awkward moments with, you know, that that every, every I think, teenager can relate to. South Park. Bigger, uh, better uncut. Comes out bigger, longer, uncut. I think bigger, longer, uncut. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I was a, uh, I was just getting into, uh, into uh, South Park when this movie came out, and this solidified it. It was such a funny, funny film, just ridiculously funny. Uh, a musical, nonetheless, right? Um, for those of you who don't know, based on the animated sitcom South Park. Um, written and directed by the same guys, Trey Parker and Matt Stone, who also do 90% of the voices in the damn show. But um, I forgot, and, and I definitely forgot, but George Clooney had a decent role in that film too. 
Oh, did he? Yeah, he did. <laughs> and then obviously uh, Isaac Hayes as a chef. Mm-hmm. And Mike Judge, I remember, had a role in it. Uh, $21 million budget. Opened at number three behind uh, The Phantom Menace. Uh, with a total of $83 million worldwide. Uh, so they got, you know, they got their money back times four. And Blame Canada was nominated uh, for an Academy Award for Best Original Song. <laughs> that's that's very American of us. I remember that uh, Matt Stone and Trey Parker showed up to the Oscars and they dressed in the most famous dresses that had been worn to the Oscars before. So one, wow. of, them, one of them was wearing the... The Jennifer Lopez super low cut green dress that she had. And, yeah, I remember and, that dress. Yeah, uh, but imagine him wearing it. Yeah. But I think like they knew they weren't going to win, but they were like, you know, being got to show, yeah, got to show out. Being nominated was was a thing. So uh, yeah, that happened. That that was a that was a, a very funny movie, and you know, like it's one of those things like Bob's Burgers movie just came out. I, I'm I'm mm-hmm. definitely going to watch that. But you're hoping that. It's not just a long episode; that it's actually something above and beyond. And I think, right? I think that uh, that the South Park movie basically was able to do that by turning it into a musical, uh, and you know, just elevating it. I thought, I thought uh, it, it nailed it. I remember I owned that DVD back in the day; like it was that good of a movie. Uh, uh, did you watch it? I never saw the movie. I uh, it took me. It took me a number of years to get to where I was watching South Park, and I went back and I I obsessively watched like I don't know remember what season they were in, but I watched like the first like I want to say six or seven seasons to catch up, and then I caught up, and then I I haven't really consistently watched since. Wow, man! Now I haven't watched the show in a minute, but the movie I still remember. Um, the last movie we'll talk about, and only because again like. It made such an impact in pop culture. The Blair Witch Project. Did you ever see that? Never saw it. Never had any interest. It's not my genre. But I was aware of the impact it had because a bunch of people saw it. And then it got compared. It was the benchmark going forward for that type of movie. Yeah. I remember I avoided it. Again, not my genre. I avoided it for years because I was like, I don't want to watch a scary movie. And I was like, now it's too hyped. And everything, um, I did eventually watch it. It was good, but you know, at that point, I was like, I was over it because it was just it had been over. Just heard about it yeah, forever, beaten for death. It. Yeah, but no, it has an amazing story, right? Um, one of the first movies that did like uh, discovered or recovered footage, you know, where it tells the story, and I mean, they made it look real, and it had yeah. to, it had to do with the fact that they like filmed it in a week. They had about 20 hours worth of footage and it, you know, it cost them about probably 60,000 to make mm-hmm. after, after all the final edits and cut co- and like, you know, um, sound and whatever post-production stuff they did. I think they, it ended up costing them like close to 200,000, but this freaking movie went on to make like a quarter of a million dollars, a quarter of a billion dollars. Yeah, 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 yeah. Making it the most successful independent film of all time. Like, it's ridiculous. But I remember watching it, and I was like, it was good. It it was good. It was well done. But, like, I had heard so much about it leading up to it that 
even though it was good, I was just like, I was over it. I was like, I'm just watching it at this point just because I, I should watch it. Right. But it was a good film. I remember there was a part two, not as good to me, much like uh, M. Night. Once you. Um, yeah, it's real hard to follow up something like yeah, that. You know, I think you, you just because you shouldn't. Whatever it, um, whatever innovation they had, you can't you can't just do that again and, and be as good. So there's pressure to either innovate something new under pressure, which probably won't turn out as well, or to do it again and somehow improve it, which... Yeah, we know that ain't going to happen. No. Um, popular TV shows of 1999, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, ER, Friends, Monday Night Football, and Frasier. Shows that ended in 99. This one I used to watch. I thought it was a very funny, funny show. Uh, Mystery Science Theater. Did you ever watch that? Uh, I don't think I've ever seen it. No, I know the name though. I know of it. And you know what the, what the premise is? Hit me. I'm, I think I do. It's like three robots and a guy in space who watch old timey, like horror sci-fi movies and basically provide commentary as it goes. Yeah. Very funny commentary. Yep. Um, it was on for seven seasons until it was canceled. Then it was picked up again by Sci-Fi Channel for three more seasons. Um, then it was canceled. Then on and off, it came back for like until 2018, like for a season or two. Different channels would pick it up. Netflix picked it up for for uh, for yeah. uh, uh, six episodes. Um, as of right now, it's literally coming back in 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 the next year or two. It just got picked up again. So. But yeah, I, I thought it was a funny show because it's 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 the thing that you and your friends do when you watch bad movies, right? You just right. You you change the dialogue, you respond to what was happening. Um, so I, I thought it was funny. I thought it was very funny. So that ended in '99. Um, the next show that ended in '99 that I remember watching and liking, and because it was '99 and CGI or computer animated stuff was still very fresh. Um, Beast Wars, the Transformers show. Do you recall that at all? Uh, vaguely, yeah. I mean, I knew of it. Yeah, it was a computer animated uh, television series, on for about three years. But it was again, it was it was like the Roughnecks, uh, you know, TV show, where like computer graphics were just enough to give you something decent and something new, but it was still a little bit off because you're like. There's only so much background you can put with with uh, computer graphics at the time. Yep. So there was there was a lot of like there wasn't a lot of layers and there wasn't a lot of texture and things, you know. Um, but it was a great show. Like it was it was it was Transformers reimagined prehistoric times with dinosaurs, you know. Um, yeah. So like uh, the main uh, Transformer on the good side was like a Kong type character, a big gorilla, and on the Decepticon side, it was a T-Rex, you know, uh, and all the different um, different uh, characters became prehistoric characters. Now, the series did take place in the future of the original, but somehow in the past. So they were descendants of the Autobots and Decepticons, but their fight somehow had them end up in some sort of prehistoric. It's like that uh, background in Futurama when Fry's asleep, when everything gets yes. super advanced and the aliens come and shoot everything and then it's castles again and then the aliens come through again. <laughs> and then it's the future. Yes. That's how I picture any kind of change that, that does uh, past in the future thing. It's the way Futurama did it. 
Yes, that's exactly right. Except, you know, and actually it would have been the same year too, huh? 99. There you go. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, uh, Beast Wars. That was a great show. Uh, shows that started in 99. Uh, so the big one that started that is, I mean, 20 years and running, Family Guy came out in 99. Uh, it was canceled a couple of times. I think by yeah. the by the third season, it had been canceled enough times before it got picked up again. <laughs> uh, so you know what's funny? Like religiously i watched it for the first six seven seasons i owned the dvds for all of these i was i was an avid watcher initially with it as well and now that we're 20 seasons deep i honestly will pick a random episode because now you know now you can just watch them anytime you want and Mm -hmm. it's it's still good dude it's still a very funny show like and again for that type of comedy and it's a type of comedy that i like but I can pick up any show from anywhere and it still makes me laugh. It still like does it exactly, exactly the way, the way it used to. It's a, it's yeah, the, the manatees are still able to pick funny things to string together. But, uh, yeah, so that show started in 99 and on for, for the last 20 years. What, you know what the coolest thing that happened though? Well, okay. Not cool, but if you watch new episodes, there's a new mayor because the old mayor used to be Adam West, and Adam West mm-hmm. passed away. Sam Elliott is the new mayor. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's pretty good. It's so fucking good. Can you imagine getting that phone call? Like they're uh, like, "Hey, bud, so I, I, would you I, like to?" So I, I would, I w- So the other day, I was randomly watching episodes, and I went to the newer seasons, and you know, I saw Sam Elliott as the mayor, and I was like. I was like, oh, that's right. They they had to replace him. So now I'm I'm gonna go back to the episode where they did the replacement just to see what what the story behind introducing Sam Elliott as the as the mayor is. Because because uh, Mayor West was a pretty uh, integral character. Oh my god, he was amazing. And yes, he was in everything. Uh, so yeah, so I, th- I thought that was very very cool. Um, another show that starts in '99 that I think again the impact on pop culture because of the careers that it spawned. Freaks and Geeks is on in 99 for a whole year. It's a series created by Paul Feig and uh, executive produced by Judd Apatow. Apatow? Apatow, right? Yeah, I think. It was on NBC back in the day when there was just, uh, you know, uh, four networks that showed television. (laughs) Uh, And uh, it was basically, you know, the, the hilarious and unfair life of a teenager in the 80s uh it launched several young actors careers at the time young james franco young seth rogan young jason siegel and uh uh busy phillips uh yeah like i said on for a year uh, i think it's one of those shows that like everybody wonders why it was canceled and it has a lot to do with a change in management that mm. who ori- the the people who originally gave it a green light were no longer working a year later, and the new management was like, "Yeah, that's a red light now," type of thing. Yeah. Did you ever uh, partake in Freaks and Geeks? No, I remember hearing about it, and it, I've heard about it multiple times over the years in retrospect. As this is the start point for various, you know, individuals, but I never, I didn't get into it near the time. Never gone back and watched it. It was a funny show. It was funny. But, you know, like awkward 
you know, like Wonder Years, all that stuff. It's it just yeah. It just again, it was just a different type of of um, uh, comedy. You know, like uh, the jokes were aimed at at a different crowd. But uh, no, it was a good show. It was a good show. Um, now, this is an interesting one because I don't know where or how this show kind of got embraced by a, a, a more mature audience, right? So SpongeBob SquarePants comes out in 1999. Okay. I remember I watched the first SpongeBob episode in like 2000, 2001, maybe 2002. And the reason why I know this specifically is because I had a coworker who invited me over uh, to his son's six-year-old birthday party. And he said it's SpongeBob themed. And I was like, I was like, oh, okay. So I went and like bought, went, you know, went and bought a SpongeBob shirt and showed up wearing a shirt. And it, during the party, there was a moment when it was just me and his son hanging out and he was, and the, the show was just playing, you know, back to back. And I ended up watching like three episodes at once. And I was like, this is a really funny show. And I was, I was like, okay. And then, you know, I went back to it a couple, a couple of times, but I was like, for the longest time, I was like, I thought this was a kid's show, but there's a lot of innuendos here for adults. Like, wait. yeah, they did the Looney Tunes thing. They I want to say, you know, they, they, they went when they went to that where they didn't they didn't make it entirely childish. You know, there's clearly the bright colors, the over the top antics, the funny things, but in in all of it are some adult themes for, you know, the audience. Yeah, and I think maybe that's why it's it's survived this long, right? Um, Probably, yeah, because the the audience could then grow with it. Because people who were kids watching it now, you know, are uh, quite a bit older. <laughs> a little bit, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, it was on for thirteen seasons. They had three films, uh, a couple spinoff shows. There's actually talks of 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 uh, of more. Uh, products coming from them, either TV shows or movies, which I'm like, still, huh? But then when you think about it, the highest rated series that that ever aired on Nickelodeon, okay, as well as the most the most uh, profitable property for uh, for Paramount, by the way, uh, it has generated 13 billion in merchandising as of 2019. I believe it. I mean that's in, but then again, like I've seen Square, like SpongeBob SquarePants, everything, like they have me merchandised the hell out of uh, SpongeBob. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, I, I, uh, I, I was a fan. I've watched. I wouldn't say I've watched thirteen seasons. I've watched maybe three, throughout the years. Um. But yeah, it came out in nineteen ninety nine. All right, let's talk about people who died in ninety nine. This one, this one, we're gonna need a little, a little something in the background while we talk about this man. Curtis Mayfield. Do you know the name, Gabe? I do know the name. American singer, songwriter, guitarist, record producer, one of the most influential musicians behind soul and uh, the political conscience of African American music. I know him from the movie Superfly because he did the soundtrack to that movie. That's how I was introduced to Curtis Mayfield. And then I went back and then I heard his early stuff with the impressions and um, just, you know, fantastic singer. But um, yeah, he, uh, 
he passed away in 99 at the age of 57 due to complications of uh, type 2 diabetes. Um, if you've never heard uh, Curtis Mayfield, I mean, look, people get ready, uh, come on, but the soundtrack to Superfly, Pusherman, what you're listening now to in the background, is fantastic. Fantastic. Um, moving on to, do you know the name Wilt Chamberlain? Yep. American professional basketball player standing at seven feet, one inch. He played in the NBA for 14 years and is widely regarded as one of the greatest players in the sports history. Most notably, he's the only player to score a hundred points in a single game. Jesus. <laughs> And average more than 40 and 50 points in a season. There's games that only have 90 points, Gabe. Yeah. This man did a 101 game, and he averaged 40 to 50 per game, which means the other players only had to put in, like, another 40 or 50 by themselves. Yeah. <laughs> he, he did 50% of the work for him. Oh, my God. I, I was exposed to him because of lore, obviously. Like, I wasn't watching... Yeah. Uh, basketball when he was playing but i was a huge fan of conan movies and in conan the destroyer he he actually acted in that yep um he uh he uh he was a pretty successful businessman he was even an author um and most notoriously he was a lifelong bachelor but uh most notoriously um from statements that he had made but uh he claimed of having slept with as many as 20,000 women in his life. <laughs> I mean, with his point totals, you got to assume that he's, he's not lying. <laughs> you know, if he could put up 100 points a night. Uh... I'm just saying, if you do the math, some days he was doing one, and some days he had to have been doing three to five in order to keep those numbers going. Just mm -hmm. insane, insane. Um. He had a history of uh, cardiovascular disease, and after undergoing some dental surgery um, the week before uh, he passed away, um, it just it was too much. Like with what he already had, you know, uh, with his pre-existing condition, going under the knife for uh, dental surgery was just too much pressure, and, and unfortunately, he was not able to to make it through there. But it's yeah. one of those like the legend, you know will live on forever. Like, I don't think, you know, like I've never, I don't think I've ever seen more than highlights. I've never watched like an old game and just to see him play. I've always just right. seen highlights, but I always remember Conan the Destroyer. And I always remember the story of him having slept with 20,000 women in his, in his career. That's just insane to me. How do you find the time is what I'm saying. How do you find I know, the time? Right? Maybe that was his training regimen. Some yeah. guys go to the gym. And some guys... Go to the jungle. I mean, he was he must have had just amazing abs. You know, what I mean, I'm just saying. Um, last person we'll talk about dying is, and I know the name will sound familiar to you, Gabe. George C. Scott. Yeah. American actor, director, producer. Um, everybody and their mothers will know George uh, for the biopic Patton. Which uh, which won him an Academy Award for Best Actor. 
he was also in a fantastic movie called Dr. Strangelove, uh, Stanley Kubrick's film. He was also Ebenezer Scrooge in A Christmas Carol. And I believe uh, Anatomy of Murder. Uh, he was in that one, too. Um, but yeah, no, uh, you know, uh, fantastic actor, uh, very strong personality. Uh, you know, I, I was like Patton's a very long movie to me and it feels long. You know, like I was just watching the Batman and even though it's a very long movie, it doesn't feel as long because the story's kind of moving at a pretty good speed. Patton, right. Patton feels a little slow sometimes to the point where it, it took me more than one attempt to actually finish watching it. Just gonna. That's say. fair. That's fair. But um, but yeah, George uh, S. Scott, uh, George C. Scott passed away in uh, 1999. Uh, moving on to very quickly uh, music. Uh, Everlast uh, comes uh, releases his solo album. Everlast being the lead singer of House of Pain, known for Jump Around. Um, at the age of 29, I believe, he had a heart attack or two because of his lifestyle, drug use, and everything else. And uh, he quit, you know, all that stuff and decided to become a solo artist where it was just him and a guitar and, you know, and a DJ. And he made a fantastic album. And I remember that song, What It's Like. So that came up. That's the song I know from them. Yeah. And then the other album that came out in 99 that still to this day is, is a phenomenal album is, is uh, Santana Supernatural. With where he basically just collaborates with everyone under the sun, including Everlast in one song, Dave Matthew. Uh, and then the big, big one, obviously smooth with um, the gentleman from Matchbox 20, which now I forget his name. Uh, that came out, but to this day, that's still a, a fantastic album. That's just Santana. It is like, like he never lost it. Never lost it. Hmm. Ever been a fan of uh, Supernatural? Any of those songs? Uh, I can't say that I have. No. Really? Yeah. Not a Santana fan, or just not that. Not that just album. never went out of my way to listen. I'm sure I've heard some. Oh just... yeah, yeah, because they they're like they use them in movies. And... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I just never went and looked for it. Interesting, Gabe. Huh. Uh, the last thing we'll talk about is uh, Tekken Toys. One of the consoles that I've often praised my entire life as one of the best consoles I've ever played, Sega Dreamcast comes out in '99 at the low, low price of $199, which is probably a thousand dollars now with mm. inflation. Um, but yeah, it was a 128 bit game, you know, uh, the most advanced system at the time, like just, it's time. Yeah. Like full 3d graphics, like a digital sound processor. You know, it was, it was just ridiculous. I remember that control, the remote control had a, even had a, like a little vibrating thing on it, you know, where you could feel like the hits and Feedback. stuff like it. Yeah, no, I, I, to this day, dude, like. I remember playing Soul Calibur. It's one of the best, best graphics and best fighting games I've ever played in my life. It, the 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 dream. I don't know why the Dreamcast didn't take off and do as well as everyone everything else, but it's yeah. very unfortunate. I also remember you could plug you could plug into the phone and connect to the internet with that one. Yep, I remember that. Uh, yeah, no, uh, you know, like I don't play as much video games anymore. I still have a PS4. I haven't even upgraded to a PS5. 
but I'm at the point where I'm like, it's just for Blu-rays now. Like, <laughs> it's, it's it's not even for any other reason than to play the 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 ten or fifteen DVDs and Blu-rays that I've I've opted to keep because they have some sort of sentimental value to me. Um, but it, that's basically the use of it. I think the last game I played was years ago, which was like Red Dead Redemption, like two years ago maybe. And I briefly, I think six seven months ago, I briefly like romanticize the idea of like getting back in there and like doing spider-man or doing uh going back to like the re-releases of tony hawk spider-man's coming to pc speaking of spider-man i'm excited because that means i'll get to play it interesting hey you know with the minutes we have left let's talk about something current now that you mentioned spider-man have you kept up with the comics at all with the um what if stuff that's been happening i have not so you're familiar with the what if comics right yep so they did a run recently where they did what if Miles Morales and it's like what if Miles Morales uh, was Captain America, what if Miles Morales was the Incredible Hulk, what if Miles Morales was the Wolverine, mm. and then for issue four they did what if Miles Morales was Thor, but there's been huge backlash because they went like heavy black stereotypes. Oh yeah. And and so so there's a there's a couple different things, right? First is like why would anybody write that? But then secondly, it's like why would Marvel like approve this to come out? Yeah. Because basically what they do is they they rather than like rather than tell the same Miles Morales person who happens to become Thor, they turn Asgard into like into like New York. So you have like the five boroughs and you have like Asgard being the hood. And you have Miles Morales speaking in like Ebonics and like, yeah, and like the hammer has graffiti on it. Like it just, you know, like, okay. yeah, That's... yeah, it was interesting to read about that. And I was like, oh, OK. And then I guess the, the, the you know, the, the, the mention was like this was the the first three were written by by, you know, uh, black writers and artists. And then the fourth one was not. And they were just like, Ugh. Oof. Yeah, but it, yeah, it was just I was like, ah, such a shame because it was fun. It was fun to read, uh, you know, like what ifs again, but like, but connecting them specifically to such a you know a new iconic character now. Yeah. So yeah, that 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 that's a thing that maybe you'll, you you should catch up on. It's pretty interesting. Um, and I gotta ask, have you caught up to Kenobi? I haven't. I caught up. I'm I'm part way through episode five. Oh well, then so, you're you're pretty much caught well, up. Well, I mean, I didn't finish five. And right, of course, but you six watched, is out now. But you watched three and four, though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The you know the three and four. Yes, I did. Fantastic episodes, right? I mean, I like them, and I'm I, again, I'm good at suspension of disbelief. So I don't think, I still don't think, the writing quality has been up to par really with the with the high watermark yeah like it's there's some lazy writing in there it's like they want somebody to get to this end point and they kind of fudge some of the stuff in the middle to just make it happen without really giving a good explanation without really developing it which that i mean it shows that it's not favreau and feloni involved Hmm. i because they care enough to explain the stuff and at least give you some logical semblance I have been very good 
or very bad in this in this sense about that suspension of disbelief because I love the visual of it. You know, the the part where the two guards are are guarding that oh, yeah. scene is so uh, that visually oh that was that was a, a, a highlight. I loved that. That definitely stood out to me. You know, and the, and that makes me forgive the stuff. <laughs> <laughs> something you just mentioned. Right. So here's the thing. Whatever I've said, I'm still enjoying it uh, immensely for what it is. Um, I'm 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 very curious to see because there's all these rumors about are they going to do a season two? Because they weren't planning to, but mm. of course it was the most streamed thing on Disney Plus for a premiere. You and McGregor has been vocal about wanting to do more. Like, I'm I'm concerned that they'll do they'll give it the sequel trilogy treatment where they just kind of say like well the hell with it let's just do stuff and it doesn't make yeah. sense yeah but we'll see kathleen kennedy has not done well with the property i'm surprised she's still at the helm <sighs> given her faux pas but yeah i i'm enjoying it i'm enjoying it and uh, and i would not mind seeing it continue just you know ewan mcgregor is just such a great great personality to like portray because continue portraying a, a much more tenured um you know uh obi-wan so one thing they are doing that's exciting, is, and we'll give them, I think, a bit more leeway to just do more popcorny type stuff, is that Tales of the Jedi or whatever it's called that they're oh, doing, the, where they go the back. The what? Tiki? Huh? The, the, is that the stuff that? Uh... No, no. Oh. The Tyke is getting his own movie. He's doing a movie, and it's going to be whatever his vision is. The Tales of the Jedi. You were getting the rumor is we're getting Qui Gon action. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. You mentioned this before. Yeah, yeah mace windu so like sammy j gets to return so like we're getting stuff where they're gonna they're gonna find reasons to use you know and that stuff you could do a bit more episodic popcorny stuff if it's not tied to one thing where it's just this is just jedi doing jedi stuff you know let's follow this story for the episode kind of thing if that's that seems to be what they're conveying and if that's the case like there you go like just go do cool stuff do visually cool stuff with some you know reasonable bench line for a story like there was plenty of uh, Clone Wars episodes, I want to say that while they might move the plot forward to some extent, it was really just to explore this one thing, this one thread, this one aspect and just do some cool stuff, you know, filler ish, but entertaining and fun still, mm. you know, whereas there were episodes that were very important to the overall story periodically. I gotcha. Yeah, no, I'm telling you, I think I think for me, it's been like seeing uh, seeing you and McGregor reprise the role. Oh yeah, um, I would love to see them utilize him and do more stuff, but like, you got yourself written into a bit of a corner yeah. in terms of the galaxy. So where can you do it? I, I mean, I think it's time that Star Wars did the multiverse, right? I mean, everyone's got it. it's the hot, it's the new hotness. It's the new hotness. Um, oh, actually, tonight I'm gonna watch uh, into the multi, uh, the into the madness universe. What is the, the new, oh is the the Multiverse of Madness, yeah, Doctor yeah. Strange. They just okay, yeah, it. I have not seen that yet. They just released it on Disney Plus. There it is. Um, so I'm definitely gonna dedicate three hours or however long that freaking movie is. They could do Star Wars What Ifs. Oh, that would be a Can great you imagine? one. That um, would be. So, this is what I want to close with, though, since we're talking about Kenobi. They were making a big deal about the return of Christian Hay Hayden Christensen. Yep. But. He's in a mask and his voice is done like. Well, and they again, did those flashback things. Uh, okay. You know, and they did the vision and then they had him in the tank 
you know, it was cool. And I think honestly, so much like seeing Tobey Maguire come back in Spider-Man, oh, Andrew okay. Garfield, you, you've got that nostalgia kick and it's nice to see an actor who maybe got too much shit. Right. And certainly for a thing that wasn't their fault. Like, I think I've watched a couple of videos where people break down like Christensen's performance mm-hmm. and the opinions I've seen are that like, no, he played it exactly as he was directed to. Like he acted it the way he, it wasn't, you know, cause people were like, ah, he's a whiny kid. Well, he was supposed to be like, literally that was the direction he was given, you know, to build up to the character he'd become, you know, and for his downfall. And so like, it's not, you can't give the actor crap for doing what they were told to do well, you know? So it's nice to see some redemption and some praise for these guys on their return and to see them get some of the accolades that they probably deserve. That's true. That's true. Uh, I, I just like, for some reason I really thought like they were going to do there'd be more. Yeah, yeah. There'd be more. Yeah. It did kind of seem like it the way it was promoted. It was, it was promoted. Like there was a return and I was like, oh, okay. All right. I, I get it. It's cool. Some of that's just good marketing too. Right. Oh, yeah, because yeah. like, yeah, you know, it's worth it for them to bring him back just for the continuity and for the hype. That's true. All right. Well, that is 1999 and a little bit of today. Um, Other than that, I hope everybody has a great week and we'll uh, talk to you then.